A Merry Christmas. Today is a special day where we get to uh, press pause on our Second Thessalonians series. We'll pick that up next week where we'll actually end out the third chapter of Second Thessalonians. And so it's been a fun time of looking at First and Second Thessalonians. And so we'll, we'll finish that out next week. But today I want to uh, bring a challenge to us with the Christmas story. Uh, this earlier in the worship set, we, we read the scriptures that most people read on a day like today, or maybe you'll read it with your family tomorrow, the beginning of Luke chapter two. But um, as I was preparing today in Luke two, or preparing this week, I, I really felt like we should skip forward a little bit in Luke chapter two, and we should examine uh, what happens after, what the Bible records after the birth of Jesus. You see, uh, the Bible actually gives us a snapshot of uh, between the birth of Jesus and when he starts his ministry. And it shows that Jesus shows up on the scene as a 12-year-old boy in, in Luke chapter two. And so today I want us uh, in, uh, to read a passage of scripture that'll help us uh, re reorient ourselves during this time. If we're uh, being honest, it's a time in, in, our, in our world, it's a time on our calendar where we can get busy, where we can be stressed, where we can overspend. It's a time where we can be distracted. Uh, and so this holiday season for a lot of us can be a time of extra stuff to do, extra stress, extra finances, extra things. And we, even as followers of Christ, can miss Christ at Christmas. We can get so distracted by celebrations and holidays and, 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 and spending time with family that we miss the main thing. And so today I, I really just wanna bring us a challenge to uh, re reorient ourselves uh, this holiday season with this being Christmas Eve. And so today we're gonna see in the text how easy it is to lose Christ at Christmas. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter two? We're gonna read in verse 41. And I know that you've been standing for a while, but it is our custom to stand for the reading of the word. Anytime we can, we wanna stand and read as we honor the word of the Lord. And so if you find your place in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 41, you can go ahead and stand. If you need a Bible, we have those in the back uh, corners. Our ushers have them for you. You can lift up your hands. They'll bring you a Bible or wave at them. And it's yours to keep. We want to make sure everybody has a Bible. Luke chapter two, you can follow along on the screen as well. Verse 41 says this. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the, at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and became to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her hearts. Can we pray before we are seated? Father, we thank you for this word. We position our hearts right now for it to speak to us, to come alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Your word says it won't return void. 
And so, Father, teach your people today. Correct us, encourage us, shape us into the image of Christ. We submit to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated today. Don't lose Christ at Christmas. That's what we're talking about today. Don't lose Christ at Christmas. And now as, as you hear that saying, you can probably think to yourself, what in the world? Christmas is all about Jesus. How could we lose Christ at Christmas? There's no way that I could lose Christ at Christmas. Well, we see in our text that the most unlikely person lost Christ around a holiday. And so we're gonna examine the text today and discover how easy it is to lose Christ at Christmas. How in the world did this happen? Well, in verse 41, it tells us that every year, Jesus and his parents, being Jewish, they went to the festival, they went to Passover. And Passover was a holy day. That's where we get the word holiday from. And so for them, the, the Passover was a holiday. And so for Jews, Passover is a holiday, similar to like for Christians, Christmas is a holiday, it's a holy day. And the Bible says that every year they went up to, to this Passover feast. And you see the Passover was celebrated because the Jews had escaped out of, out of Egypt, the bonds of slavery and of, and of oppression. And so the Jews, what they would do in this celebration was they were, they were celebrating the fact that God spared them from judgment and he rescued them out of uh, Egypt. And so um, God, when he went to judge the Egyptians and he went over the land, he passed over anybody who put the blood of the lamb on their, on their doorpost. And that's what the Jews would do. They would, that with their house, they would put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And, and then when God and his angels would, would, that were coming to bring judgment, they'd pass over those people. And, and so we see now, we know now that Passover is all about Jesus, that he's the ultimate sacrifice. He is the ultimate lamb that would be slaughtered. And so in this celebration, if you would just go there in your minds with me, You've got Mary and Joseph and Jesus now at the age of 12. They've been doing this every year and they're celebrating the Passover. And towards the end of this, this celebration, at the end of it, they were celebrating the coming of the Messiah. They knew that there was gonna be an ultimate Passover lamb. And I just find humor in the text and in the celebration to, to know that they're celebrating the Messiah and the coming Jesus, the Passover lamb, and he's in the room with them and they don't even know it. The one that they're celebrating, the one that they're anticipating is right there with them, celebrating with them, and they have no clue who he is. And so we see here in the text that, that they uh, got so caught up in the celebrations, they got so caught up in the festivals that they forgot they didn't even know that Jesus was in the room with them. They didn't even know the Passover lamb was with them. And so the most unli unlikely people, they lose Christ at Christmas at the most unlikely celebration. It's all about Jesus. Passover is all about Jesus and they're with Jesus. And the text tells us that when they get done celebrating, they lose Jesus. And the reality is, is that we can do the same. That in the middle of our celebrations, year after year, Tradition after tradition, routine after routine, decoration after decoration, we can get so used to doing the same thing that we miss the main thing. We can get so used to getting caught up, even in spiritual activities, even in coming to church and doing the right thing, even in serving, even in giving, 
We get so caught up in the routine and the tradition that we miss the main thing. And so we see here that when we continue to operate in tradition, when we continue to operate in celebration, we continue to do all these great, wonderful things, we can easily get off course. We can easily lose our focus. And what I think can happen, maybe for me, maybe for you, is that it's easy to lose Christ at Christmas when he becomes common, when Christ becomes common. You see, for us in, in holiday season, and us in celebration, and us in coming to church, and us in doing ministry, it becomes common. It becomes common and we forget the cause. It becomes common and we forget the who behind the what. And so today, I just wanna challenge us to reorient ourselves to fix our focus back on the main thing because we can forget the why behind it all and we can miss the miracle that's taking place in this moment. That just by us as, as followers of Christ gathering together, this is a holy moment and a supernatural moment that the presence of the Lord is here. And when Jesus is in the room, anything can happen. Anything is possible. And so we must reorient ourselves, reorient ourselves so that Christmas doesn't become common so that our marriage doesn't become common so that our calling doesn't become com common so that your kids don't become common so that serving the Lord doesn't become common. Let us not forget the who behind the what's. Let us not forget the price that was paid. Let us not forget the life that was laid down. Let us not forget the sacrifice that had to happen, the cross that he had to bear for my salvation, for my sake. Let us not forget the price that Jesus paid so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. You see, friends, Jesus is anything but common. Born of a virgin, humbled himself to the point of death, laid down his life for his friends. He who knew no sin became sin. And he was buried for three days. That grave could not hold him. He rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he came to life so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is not common. He is an uncommon savior. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. He is uncommon. So how do we fix our focus? Michael, what if I have made Jesus common, especially at Christmas? What have I done? What, how can I reorient myself. Well, I want to share a few thoughts with us to help us keep Christ from becoming common. First thing, take time to remember Christ this Christmas. Take time to remember Christ this Christmas. You might think, well, Michael, duh. It's Christmas, Christ mass, Christ is celebration, right? But let me ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing in your Christmas celebrations to remember Christ? What are you doing? And now I, I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. What am I doing? What are we doing? Have we planned him in our activities? Among all the food and celebrations and presents and, and family traditions, have we made room for Christ? You see, the first person in the Bible that made the mistake of not making room for him was the innkeeper. There was no room in the end. And I just imagine that if that innkeeper knew who that baby was gonna be, he would have made room for him. How much more should we 
make room for our Savior. So what are we doing to remember Christ? Remember the price. Remember all that he has done. You see, when we just stop and remember, there's power in remembering. You see, remembering takes your past memories, all that we're remembering, our past memories, and it gives my present moment purpose. That doesn't just apply to Christmas. It doesn't just apply to my salvation, that when I remember all that Christ did for me, it gives my present moment purpose. It applies to every area of your life that you should remember back of who you used to be and what you used to do. And now that gives a present moment purpose of how you used to struggle. I've been here before and I can do it again. He provided for me last year. He'll provide for me this year. He healed my body of cancer once before. He'll heal my body again. And so once you remember back of all that God has done in your life, you can have purpose in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of heartache, in the middle of horrible, devastating news. When everybody around you is joy is gone, you can have joy. Why? Because you remember a Christ a savior, a God who says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I do not change. And so we remember all that he's done for us. I choose to remember. And so if you wanna make sure you don't lose Christ this Christmas, take time to remember Jesus. Better yet, take time to remember who you were before you met Jesus, before you had an encounter with Christ. I don't know about you, but I had some BC days some before Christ days. And if I, it don't take me but just a moment to go back in my mind to who I was before Christ saved me. And if I just go back in that moment and realize all the depression I was in, all the loneliness I was in, all the junk and the sin that I was doing, everything I was doing and God, all of my mess and all of my darkness, he still chose to call me out. He still chose to save me. The scripture says, even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter your last night, God died for you so that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you can live, come on, forevermore. Jesus is the reason. We must remember throughout scripture, God says, remember, remember how I brought you out of slavery. Remember my commands, remember my good deeds, remember me, your God, remember me. Why does God tell us to remember him? Because whether or not we like to admit it, we easily forget him. We easily forget Christ. We easily forget all that God has done. And if we don't remember who God is and what he's done for us, then we lose our delight in him. We lose our delight in him. It's so easy, especially in the world we live in today, to delight, to, to delight in everything else but God to delight in the things of this world, to delight in the things that my flesh craves and so desires. It's easy to delight in those things that make us happy. We should never, ever lose our love for Christ and our delight in him. He is the one that satisfies us. And so if we get caught up in all the celebration, we can easily forget who we're celebrating. We lose our way, we lose our perspective. And so this Christmas, my challenge to us is simply don't let Christ become common. Take time to remember all that he has done so that you don't lose Christ at Christmas. And that's what we see in our text. They literally lost Christ. They lost Jesus, his own parents, the, own, the most unlikely people. 
Mary knew that he was not common. Mary knew that he was the Messiah, yet she lost him. And so when you hear songs, Mary, did you know? The answer is yes. She knew all that they, the angel had spoke to her. People had prophesied to her. She treasured all these things in her heart. She knew, but yet she lost him. And as I read about it, as I think about it, I'm amazed that they've gotten to this point where at 12 years old, he was so valuable that at two years old, they hid him, they hid him from being killed. He was given to them by God. I can't help to picture Jesus at 12, wandering around without his parents, thinking, what in the world's going on? They've lost me, they've left me. The reality is, as a parent, I go to my mind of my child and I think, how would my child respond wandering around without her parents, without support, without security? It makes me concerned, concerned. it makes me disturbed. It makes me think of the feeling of being abandoned. And I just hear the Lord saying in this moment that our God knows the feeling of being abandoned. That many in this room know the feeling of being abandoned. abandoned. Abandoned by your father. As a teenager, abandoned by your friends. As a wife, abandoned by your husband. And in your abandonment, you built up walls around you to protect you. You had to do it to survive. You couldn't let people in. They couldn't hurt you again. You, you couldn't recall those emotions again. You had to block it out. And so you built walls up around you. And those walls around you to protect you from other people did not hinder your ability to love. It hindered your ability to be loved. And in this moment, you've pushed everybody away. In this moment, you've put a safe net around you. And not only has it affected your earthly relationships, it's affected your spiritual relationship. That your father wants to love you, but you won't let him. That our good God that we serve wants to lavish and pour out his love on his children, but yet you've built up walls and you won't let him. Can I tell you that not only at 12 did Jesus experience abandonment, but even as an adult, his closest followers abandoned him. But he did it not for himself, he didn't experience abandonment for himself. He experienced it for you. So that the, the words of Hebrews 4 would come true when it says that we don't serve a God that can't sympathize. We don't serve a God that isn't used to what we do. No, no, no. We serve a God that experienced that every pain, every heartache, every sorrow, every joy, every victory, every trial so that he can minister to you. And so in this moment, if you are feeling alone and abandoned, surrounded by hundreds, but yet you feel like you're all alone, no, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you and he wants to pour out his love. Come on, is anybody thankful that God loves us? Even in spite of. So they lost him. The Bible gives us some text here, gives us some clues of exactly why they lost him. Look at verse 43 with me of Luke chapter two. It says, when the feast had ended, they were returning and the boy Jesus stayed behind. And look, watch this. His parents did not know it, verse 44, but supposing or assuming him to be in the group. They went a, a day's journey. So Mary and Joseph didn't even know that they lost Jesus. Why? Because they assumed 
that he was with them. They didn't lose him by opposing him. They didn't lose him by denying him. They lost Jesus by assumption. They assumed that he was in the middle of the religious celebration. They just assumed that he was with them. They didn't know, they just assumed. Any parents ever assumed that your child was with you and then you look down and realize that they were not? I can remember the time my daughter, Ada, who's eight years old right now, but when she was younger, we were in the store. We have, we have two kids. We have Ada, who's eight, and Azariah, who's five. And um, we tried to lose Azariah, but, but not Ada. Uh, I'm joking. I'm just saying that because he's in the room. We only did it one time, by the way, let the record show. But I, I, remember, I remember Ada in the, groceries, or in the clothing store. And I said, Ada, come on, let's go over this way. And I just began to walk. We got halfway through the store, Tony and I, and we looked down and we realized Ada was not there. First reaction, you know, panic. We just start to look. Start to, Ada, Ada, trying to be real calm. Ada, Ada, nothing. Well, what seems like an hour is really only about two minutes. And, and we begin to panic. And we're, what do we do? We retrace our steps. We go back to where we were. And then we're stopped by an employee. He says, hey, hey, here's Ada. Like, oh, okay, but what happened? What was the lesson that we learned? Don't just assume your child is with you just because you told them to be with you. And a lot of times, if we're being honest, God, God just tells us, he says, hey, come abide in me and I'll abide in you. Hey, come follow me, Jesus said. He called the disciples. He said, come, follow me. And they're supposed to follow him. Oftentimes, we, we can just get in the, uh, the assumption that we're, we're with Jesus, we're close to Jesus, and we don't really even know it. And so they lost him. <laughs> They lost Jesus by assumption. We can lose Christ at Christmas when we assume that he is with us. This Christmas, I think it's very easy, very easy for all of us to assume that we're close to Christ. In the celebration of Christ, in the celebrating of Jesus, we can assume because we're surrounded by church family. We can assume because we're here on Christmas Sunday. But I don't know about you, but especially in December, around the holidays, our hearts can be so consumed with, with busyness, with worry, with extra things that we can begin to drift, drift and get caught up in all of that, all the emotion, all the things. And we can just assume that Jesus is in the middle of our celebration. But is he? Is he? Have we made room for him? I would just encourage you, don't assume just because we're at church that Christ is close now, I'm not, I'm not coming for your salvation today. I'm not talking about your relationship with Christ. I'm talking about your closeness with Christ, your connection to him. Mary and Joseph didn't lose their relationship with Jesus. They lost their connection with him. And so we must be close, close to Jesus. That as John chapter 15 tells us, John 15 verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus desires for us to have fellowship with him. But he says, you must remain in me and I in you. So it's up to us to make sure in the middle of the holiday season that we have not lost connection with Jesus. That we cannot lose connection with him. Make sure we're making room for him, that it doesn't become common, that we're remembering him. We're creating space to celebrate him so that we don't lose Christ at Christmas. We actually see 
all throughout the Bible. People, people of God who lost connection with him. Noah, during a season of stress, lost his connection with, Christ, with, with God. King David lost it for a season. Simon Peter lost his fellowship with Jesus around Easter. And if we're not careful, we can lose it too. So let's don't go through the motions this Christmas. Let's don't sit here and just sing songs about Jesus. Let's don't talk about Jesus. Let's don't do church spiritual things and not be close to Jesus. Let us not be the church that we read about in Revelation where they're having church and they're singing songs and they're, they're, they're preaching the word and they're fellowship and they're breaking bread all in the name of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is on the outside knocking. He's knocking on the outside. They think that Jesus is in the room. They think that they're already with him, worshiping him and Jesus is on the outside knocking. May we not be a church that gathers without Christ. May we not be a church that doesn't create space for Christ. May Jesus never be on the outside. I don't know about you, church, but I want him on the inside with his power and his glory. Because when Jesus shows up, come on, everything changes. And so we can't be a church that loses Christ at Christmas. We can't be a church that just goes through the motions of this, that just does church things, that just does good deeds, that just does what's right. We've got to be a church that encounters Christ every single Sunday. It's not about a good experience. It's not about feeling good. It's not about checking it off the list. It's about having a life transformative encounter with the living God. And can I tell you, church, that he's in the room today so that he can change your life. He can ch that, that setback that you might be in, I promise you God can make it a setup. I promise you that, that that low valley that you're in can be a, a moment where God elevates you to the top. I promise you that season that you're going through, you don't have to go through it alone, that he is with you and his rod and his staff will comfort you in it. Jesus just wants to be close, but have we made room? Have we made room for his spirits? Have we made room or have we just assumed that he's with us? And so what do we do? Maybe for you, maybe for us, we've got off course. The main thing is no longer the main thing. Maybe we've lost sight of Jesus. You see, the theologians would tell us that they traveled in big caravans, not like the Dodge caravan, but a big actual group, a caravan, a big group. And the women and children would go first and the men would come up the rear for support. And so as they're traveling, Mary, maybe she just thought that Jesus, he's 12, you know, he, Maybe he's in the back with the guys and, and maybe Joseph just assumed that he was up there with Mary. Either way, they assumed that he was in their group and he was not. If Mary and Joseph can assume that Jesus is with them and he's not, how much more are we prone to assume that Christ is with us and he's not? May we create space for the Holy Spirit. May we refocus our attention on him. And so what do we do? Well, look back at verse 45. We'll do what they did. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. What did they do? They went back. They went back to where they lost fellowship. They went back to where they lost him. And listen to me, if you're in this room today and you've lost fellowship with Christ, you've lost connection with Christ, can I encourage you to just go back to the last place that you experienced him. Go back in your mind to that moment where you had a God encounter. Go back to that place. And maybe for you, that's why you're in the room today is because you're going back 
It says that they found Jesus in his father's house, in the temple. And guess where we are? We're in the father's house today. Some of us have gone back to God's house. Why? Because he's in the room today and he's gonna restore that connection with you. You gotta go back. You gotta go back just like in Luke chapter 15 when the prodigal son, when he comes to his senses, what did he do? He went back to his father's house. And I love this picture because it's a picture of our God and it's a picture of what's gonna happen today is that the moment that the son begins to run and he gets, the Bible says, while he's still a far way off, the father had been looking for him and waiting for him. And when he sees his son on the horizon, what does he do? He don't wait. He doesn't wait for him to get there. No, no, no. He defies all Jewish customs. He picks up everything he's got and he takes off running. And that's what God wants to do today. Is that as you return to him, as you connect with him, he's gonna run to you and meet you. He's gonna meet you in your seat. He's gonna meet you in the altar. He's gonna meet you in the aisleway. He's just looking for you to come back, to return so we can restore the connection. So this Christmas, we take time to connect with Christ, restore that connection. Mary and Joseph, they went back to the last place they saw him in his father's house. You know, I find it interesting. The Bible gives us some details in this story. Some very intentional details. It says that Mary and Joseph traveled a day without even knowing they lost Christ. How long has it been for you? How long has it been? How long have you just assumed? How long have you went your life not, not even knowing that Christ wasn't among you? Not even knowing that Christ is no longer there? How long has it been since you've lost connection? How long has it been since you've been without connection? A day, a month, a year? Today is the day. Christmas is the perfect time for us to connect with Christ. From the beginning of time, God wanted to be with us. That's why he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But a thing called sin entered the picture and the fall of man. And sin separated us from God. And God has made it his mission ever since to restore that connection with us. And there, there cannot be room for sin in a relationship with the holy God. And so what did God do? He sent his son, Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that he could be the ultimate sacrifice, the price that needed to be paid to restore back that connection. Jesus was born in a manger, hung on a cross. But right now, he sits at the right hand of the father and he talks to him about you. And the Bible says that that was the first advent when Jesus came as a baby. But the Bible also tells us there's gonna be a second advent when he comes on the cloud with fire, that he redeems his church, that we all will be caught up in heaven with him and we'll spend an eternity face to face with our savior. Until that day happens, he gives us something. It's called the Holy Spirit. It says every, the Bible says, everybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But not only that, he gives us his spirit to dwell in us, to lead us, to guide us. And today that's available to you. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never been connected and close to him. Today is the day. On Christmas Eve, December 24th of 2023, today is the day that you're gonna be connected to Christ. Some are coming back home today. Some, is, some in the house are returning to Jerusalem, returning to the Father's house to be connected 
Others of us are realizing that Christ became common in our life. I've been a Christian for so many years that I just thought by doing the right thing and saying the right thing that Christ was with me. But I realized that I don't know him. I don't read his word. I don't pray. I don't worship. I just go through the motions. And by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, he's convicting you right now, stirring that in your heart that you might be close to him again. If you abide in him, Jesus says, I'll abide in you. And so Father, Right now, we bow our heads and pray and reflect. Because Father, right now in this moment, you're drawing us into a relationship with you. Let it never be said that we lose Christ at Christmas. Let it never be said of Cornerstone that we're a church where Jesus is on the outside and we're all just church folks huddled up on the inside. God, we not only need your power and your presence in the church, we need your power and your presence in your children. And so Father, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you draw us in to a relationship with you? Those who are not connected with you, may they right now experience the love of the Father. Romans tells us that if we'll confess that Jesus is Lord, we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. If we make him Lord of our life and surrender to him, we shall be saved. And I believe that many are doing that right now. Calling on the name of the Lord, surrendering to him that they might be saved. Others in the house, the Holy Spirit stirring, drawing you back in. You're like the prodigal son. You were doing your own thing, but you just came to your senses. Not because of anything I said, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's moving right now. And he's, he's drawing you back in and you're running to the Father. Can I tell you that God is gonna restore just like he did to that prodigal son. He's gonna restore everything that was lost. He's gonna restore that love. He's gonna restore that family. He's gonna restore that connection, that intimacy with the Father, the joy of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is gonna be restored to you as you now return to the Father. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If you're in this room today, and today is the day of salvation for you, meaning that you now or surrendering your life to Christ. You serve Jesus today. You're giving your life to Him. If that's you, while nobody's looking around, would you lift up your hands and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm giving my life to Christ. I wanna pray for you. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? Today's my day. Surrendering to Jesus. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you raise your hand, our prayer team in just a moment will be along these side walls to pray for the needs of the church. I would encourage you to join those who are gonna to go to the prayer team. They have a Bible for you, a new believer's guide for you, but more than that, they wanna connect with you so that you don't have to do this faith journey alone. If we could all over this house, could we stand to our feet? We've taken time to reflect. Now we take time to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. It might look different than your neighbor. Maybe you need to respond in the altar, find a place on your face where you can do business with God, where he can break some things, where he can change some things, where he can restore some things. Maybe for you, you need to go to the prayer team that are now on the side walls. They can pray for the sick that they might be healed. They can encourage you. They can believe God for you. Maybe you're believing God for a miracle in your family. These guys wanna pray and intercede with you. Maybe for others, we just wanna worship Jesus. We wanna press in and make sure that he is, uh, he is the main thing, that we don't miss him this Christmas before we go out and celebrate him tomorrow. Regardless 
Now's the time to respond to what Christ is saying to you. So Father, all over this house, we thank you for what you're doing. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you're an uncommon savior. We thank you, God, that we can create space in this moment to remember you, the price that was paid. And God, we thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're drawing your children in to a relationship with you. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that not only breaks the grip of sin, it breaks the grip of addiction, it brings healing to my heart, it brings healing to my spirit, it brings healing to my mind. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads me and guides me into all truth. And so Holy Spirit, come, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship together.